we've been talking about renew. And I have the definition for renew. Can we put that up there? It says this. It says to be restored to a former state, become new or as if new again. Once again, it says to be restored to a former state, become new or as if new again. And what we've been talking about in renew is we've been talking about first we talked about renewing your mind renewing your mind and so what happened was was we we looked at the ways that we renew our mind and the reasons that we renew our minds and we went through the process of actually having the kids come on stage and I, we we looked at the process of how a thought okay can then be transported into a feeling and then, are you in the back there? Are you ready for this? You ready? You ready? Into a action. Okay. Do it again. A, a thoughts go to a feeling and then a action. Okay. And how we renew our mind is, is the first thing we have to do is, is we have to get in those thoughts. Because what happens is, is that when we are not in the right mindset, when we don't have the right mindset, we can look at people differently. We can act differently. We view things differently. The whole thing gets clouded because it goes into your feelings and you start getting angry and it starts welling up and then it goes into your actions. And you generally will treat people differently. It's why the Bible says that we need to renew our minds. And then last week we talked about renewing our heart and how we renew our heart because in the, in, in, in the scriptures, the heart is the center point of our life. And how we have to renew our hearts in order for those things that overflow onto other people to be good things. And a renewal of your heart means that you're putting things into your heart. Those things are things that overflow. They can, they can be all kinds of stuff. They can be scriptures. You can listen to worship songs. There's all kinds of things you can do. Talking to a, a godly friend. Those kind of things. Making right decisions. Being proud of yourself because you made that right decision and taking that one small decision and making it a bigger decision and a bigger decision and a bigger decision, it's a renewal of your heart. And I told the kids that I really feel like that when right before, right before we were, we were sent down the, down the, the, the distrib- distribution line, you know what I'm saying, when God was creating us, that he took a small little tiny piece out of that heart and he kept it for himself because we have to come and find him in order to find that small piece to make us complete. And so we renew, we talked about renewing our minds and renewing our hearts. And so tonight, I want to talk about renewing your status. Renewing your status. How many people have a Facebook in here? Raise your hand. How many people have Facebook? Raise your hand. All right. Great. Um, Facebook. Face, the Facebook phenomenon. It's been crazy uh, how Facebook has really taken off. I didn't have a Facebook until Maggie Milner went off to college. And I'll never forget it. Uh, it was, I think it was a Thursday, and, and Maggie said, hey, I, I want to keep in contact with you. And I said, well, just email me. She goes, no, I'm not doing that. She said, do you have a Facebook? And I said, no, what's Facebook? And so she says, oh, my gosh, get up. And so she made me get up, and she pushed me aside, and she sat down, and within five minutes, I had a Facebook. And she said, well, you need some pictures. And I said, well, all the pictures I have are on the computer. She goes, well, I'm putting some on there. So she starts going around. And so basically she started asking me all these questions about, you know, my email address and what pictures I wanted and, and how old I was and what's my birthday. And so she set up this thing called a Facebook. For those who don't know what Facebook is, 
It's interesting. Uh, it's basically a, a, a website where you can put your information down and you have friends and you can comment on friend stuff. And it's sort of a way just to, it's a social network. It's a way to communicate with people. And I know a lot of our students, I would say almost all of our students are on Facebook and we communicate back and forth through that. Our student ministry has a Facebook Facebook page. Uh, we have a lot of different things on Facebook, but it's become a phenomenon. It's been incredible how People have used that Facebook. And so in preparing this message tonight, I was thinking about Facebook because people use Facebook to say a lot of things. The first thing people use Facebook for, they use it to talk about themselves. As a matter of fact, most of the time, Facebook is used to talk about yourself. They have a thing called a status. And your status is is exactly what you're doing pretty much at that time or what you're thinking, or what you're feeling. And people use that in a lot of different ways. Some people use it to be funny. I try to use it to be funny sometimes. It doesn't work most of the time, but uh, I get a lot of grief from the kids. But I thought I'd come up, there were some Facebook statuses that I pulled off and I thought were pretty funny. And I won't say the names, but it says blank. Uh, I'll just use blank as the name. It says blank used to play sports. Then she realized you can buy trophies. Now she's good at everything. Okay. This person, blank, is colorblind and trying to solve the Rubik's Cube. This could take a while. All right? I like this one. Blank dreams of a better world where chickens can cross the road without having their motives questioned. Why'd the chicken cross the road? I know, Lucy had the delayed thing. Blank says, uh, blank says statistically, six. Are you guys getting it now? Are y'all just getting it? Okay. All right. All right. Blank says statistically six out of seven dwarfs aren't happy. Blank is clapping her hands and stomping her feet because she's happy and she knows it. Okay, I'll never pull that out again. Pull it off. Amen. But y'all, what happens is, is a lot of times we use Facebook and we go on there and it's really all about us. As a matter of fact, if you're in a picture and someone tags you, someone says, hey, this is so-and-so in a picture, it will actually show up on your wall. I mean, it's all about us and it's about our life. And I've, I've reconnected with a lot of different people. It's really all about what's going on in your life. Some people use it to get a point across. Okay, they do. Some people use it to get a point across. Some people use it uh, to let you know that they're mad at you. Uh, and to say things they would never say to your face, but they let you, they know that, that they're mad at you. My mother does that to me sometimes. She'll put on there, I wish I had a better son who was a preacher. Uh, or, you know, random things to let me know that she's not very happy with me. And it's funny because I know most of the time she would never say those things to my face. But Facebook is sort of safe, and so you can put things on there. So if people use it for positive and for negative things, traditionally, for some reason, you'll write things on Facebook that you never would write anywhere else. And a lot of the parents have told me, they said, you know, my kids write things on Facebook. I can't believe they, I mean, they write that stuff. And it's like, don't you know that I see these things? But apparently you feel a freedom to do that. But Facebook, honestly, you guys, is all about us. It's all about us. And so if we're going to renew our mind and we're going to renew our thoughts, then we have to renew our status too. We have to renew our status. Luke says this in verse four, chapter 14. I think I have this up here. It says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, 
wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life. Such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Now, what in the world is Jesus saying? Is he really saying that we have to hate people? Well, what he's saying is, is this. If, if your love for me, if your love for me doesn't look, if, if in comparison, if in comparison, your love for me is not way, way up here, and your love for those other people aren't way down here. As a matter of fact, I want you to love me so much that the other things that you give looks like almost hate. I want it to be that big. I want you to love me so much. That's how much you have to be. That's how committed you have to be. That's, that's the kind of, or, or else you really can't be my disciple. Now, why would he say that for? I want to tell you why. Because oftentimes, Jesus, Jesus tried to convince people not to follow him. Jesus tried to convince people not, not to follow him. He said, oh, you need to count. As it, right after that, he says, you need to count the cost. And he starts giving these examples of, you need to count the cost before you do this. And I think a lot of us go in to this Christian walk and we don't necessarily count the cost because I'm going to tell you something. Dying to yourself stinks. It just does. And there's no way around that. If you're living a happy-go-lucky, la-la, you know, bounce up and down Christian life, good for you. But I would challenge you and say this. I would wonder if you've actually died to yourself. Because I'll tell you, dying to yourself really, really stinks a lot of the time. And it's through the process of dying to yourself that you grow spiritually deep. But God really does... He really does want us to worship him alone, like the song said. He wants us to pour ourselves out so that he can fill us back up. He really, you know what he wants to do? He wants us to renew our status. He wants our status not to say things about us, but he wants our status to be in him and for him. That's why he says this. He says, if you don't, if you don't, it's, it's basically like saying this. I heard an author say this one time. It's basically like saying, if you don't pick up and drag your electric chair around every day, why would you need that? Why would you need to stand up and drag your electric chair around? Well, because it's death. And that's what you have to carry with you all the time. When you get ready to say something to someone and you know you shouldn't, you have to die to yourself. When you get ready to react Instead of think before you, before you say something, you have to die to yourself. When you get ready to make that decision, you have to die to yourself. You say, not my way, but I'm going to deny to myself. I'm going to carry my, my electric chair, my cross. I'm going to carry it. I'm going to die to myself. There's three things about renewing your status, and I want to go through those quickly. The first one is this. When God is first, all other things lose their importance. When God is first... When your status is that God is first, everything else loses its importance. John the Baptist found this out really easy. John the Baptist found this out because they came to him and they said, Listen, what's, what, what's the deal? And John the Baptist said, basically, he said, I want you to know something. I, I, I have to decrease so that he may increase. And it's the same for us. We have to decrease so that Christ will increase. But I'm going to tell you something. If you're not willing to decrease, you're going to have a hard time with Christ increasing in your life. If you want to know the secret to living a God-filled life, 
you need to decrease so that Christ can increase in your life. That's the secret. That's it. You have to decrease so that Christ will increase. Philippians 3.8, it says this. It says, What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider it garbage that I may gain Christ. All of those things that used to matter don't matter anymore. There's a story, <coughs> excuse me, there's a story about Francis Chan, and I'm not sure if you know who Francis Chan is. He wrote the book Crazy Love. And Francis Chan is a pastor, a pastor of Cornerstone Church in, in, uh, in California. And he had a huge church, huge following. Wendy and I first heard Francis Chan about three and a half to four years ago at a youth conference, and we were blown completely away. We didn't know who Francis Chan was. We almost skipped Francis Chan to go grab something to eat, but we decided we would go anyway. And we went and sat down and were blown completely away by Francis Chan and his message. He got this idea that he should open up the scriptures and read them and take them for what they actually said. And, and not try to put all kinds of other people's opinion and not try to do... He, he actually decided that he was going to believe it when Jesus said that, that we need to die to ourselves. And when Jesus talked a lot about the poor, he actually decided he was going to believe it. Well, I'm going to tell you something. That didn't go over real big with Francis Chan's wife. Because Francis Chan wanted to do things crazy like sell their house. And matter of fact, sell their house and get a much smaller house, about half the size. He wanted to sell their two cars... And, and get a 10-year-old car, buy a 10-year-old car to drive around. He wanted to, act, he, he wanted to give all the proceeds, millions and millions of dollars of the book Crazy Love, he wanted to give that away. And his wife had a real hard time with it. And what happened was, was that she went overseas and she went and experienced what Francis Chan had experienced. And he went to India. She went to India. And when she got to India, she began to realize the need that was there. And she began to realize the bubble that she had placed herself in and that we, right now, have placed ourselves in, a bubble. And what happened was, was that she went to India and she saw the starvation. She saw kids dying. She saw kids with no clothes. She saw all those things. And she came back a changed woman. Why is that? Why is it? I'll tell you why it is. Because when we put God first in all things, everything else seems to fall away. It does. How many times have we went to different places? How many mission trips have you been on? I know I've been on them. How many have you been on where you go and you see people that have a much deeper need than you'll ever imagine? They're living lives that you would never even imagine living. And for a moment, for a brief moment, you, you catch that glimpse. And then you come back here and you get caught up in the day-to-day. I'm going to challenge you and tell you this. I think probably the reason you see that is because you decided to put God first. And God being first was more important than that next item that you want to go buy for me at Best Buy. That, that next item you want to go get. God being first was much more important than the cars you drive or the house you live in or the clothes you wear. Those kind of things. When you put God first, those things don't seem to matter anymore. And the fact that you may miss them, they don't matter anymore. They don't. The next thing is this. Renewing your status means that it causes you to reflect on your own lives. Renewing your status allows you to reflect your own lives. One of the things that I've found with God is for me, God's like a mirror. And when I start really focusing on what God would have me to do, 
God begins to take this mirror and he begins to point it at all different directions. There's, there's a mirror in, um, uh, what's it called? Um, it's, uh, it's um, Wendy, what store were we in last week at the big mirror? Ann Taylor Loft, is that what it is? In the avenue. Wendy loves Ann Taylor Loft. I don't even talk to her about it. But they have this mirror that I promise you is the size of that window. And you go in this thing and it's like huge. Man, you can see everything. Some you'd like to see, some you wouldn't like to see. But you can see everything in that mirror. I mean, it is huge. And I'm like, man, they got this huge mirror sitting here where all these ladies can come see what they look like. And I said, That's sort of like the mirror I look at when I start really allowing God, when I change my status. I start looking at those things, and God starts revealing certain things to me. Certain attitudes I've had. Certain ways I've treated people. Certain ways that, that, that I, things I've taken for granted. Things that I wish I shouldn't have said, but I have said, and now I need to apologize for. Things like that. God does that with me. I don't know if he does it with you or not, but for me, he does that with me. He holds the mirror up and he begins to look at things, not to make me feel guilty, but to make me grow. There's a question that I heard, and we actually talked about this last Tuesday night, and I'm so proud of the students that came to the Bible study last Tuesday night because they answered the question honestly. And it wasn't easy, but they answered this question honestly, and it was this. And I want to challenge you tonight you find someone that you can honestly ask this question to and without you getting angry. But it's this. If tomorrow morning, if you woke up and you were me, what's the first thing you would change? Ask that question. Tomorrow morning, tomorrow morning, uh, Raquel, Raquel, tomorrow morning, don't answer, please. <laughs> tomorrow mo- I would grow some hair. Tomorrow, tomorrow morning, if you woke up and you were me, what's the first thing you would change? Well, what is that going to tell us? I'll tell you what it's going to tell you. It's going to tell you the, probably the first thing you need to change. What's the first thing you need to change? If you're married, I'm not going to cause a fight here, but if you're married, you need to be willing to ask that of your spouse. If, if you woke up tomorrow and we were reversed, besides it being all weird, uh, what's, the first thing, what's the first thing that I need to change? And you will find that you will, you, will, you will hear a lot of honest answers. Now, if you want to get fluff and mumbo-jumbo, don't ask the question. But if you, really, if you really want to see what it is that God may have for you, those people that love you or the closest to you, they're going to answer you honestly because they know you. When I do that, when I ask God those kind of things, he takes a mirror and he begins to reflect those things on me. The third thing about changing my status is this. We put God first because we need it, not because he needs it. We put God first because we need it, not because he needs it. I was, on, I was on the computer today, and I was scanning through some different things. And sometimes I like to read what people have to say about religious things. And so I found this article, and this one guy said this. He said, he said God must be a pretty big wimp if he, if he needs us to bow down and worship him. And, man, he needs to get some self-esteem. It's basically what, what this guy said. And, and I found it sort of funny because that really is how some people view. I want, you, I want you to understand something. God doesn't need anything from you. He doesn't. You need everything from him. But he doesn't need anything from you. He doesn't. Not at all. Not at all. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. You guys know the verse. The life I live in the body I live... By faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. 
Christ came down and he gave himself for me because I needed God, not because God needed me for anything. I want you to know as I stand up here tonight, it's not about me. And as hard as it is to say, it's really not about my two sweet girls right here who helped me out at the first and, 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 and led. And, and it's not about Emily. And, and it's not about the praise band. And it's not about Pastor Jimmy. Uh, it's not about Matt or Buddy or, or Missy or Chris. It's not about us as a church. It's really all about God. And we need Him a lot more. A lot of people have the mindset that God needs me to serve Him. No, he doesn't. I'm going to tell you something. You need to serve God so that you can really experience what you were made for. When you serve God, you experience fully what you were made for. And I'm going to say this to you. God put institutions in place. Palmetto Baptist needs you to serve. They do. They need you to serve. Daybreak Student Ministries, they need, they need you to serve. And we can go on and on. But you know what the truth is? Is that you need to serve. You need to serve more than Daybreak or Palmetto or Sunshine Ministries or the, or the Senior Adult Ministries or the choir or anything else. You need it more than they need you. Now, you may, you may think that's not the case. You may think, well, if I don't go, then, well, well whatever. It'll all crumble. No, it really won't. Because I'll tell you, God's much bigger than you. And he sort of scoffs at you, to be honest with you. He's sort of, okay. Like he can't send someone else. Like he can't send anyone else in your place. That's actually laughable. I learned this the hard way. And on my notes here, I put story. Boy, I was stupid. And I was stupid. I worked at Youth Town, which is a children's home ministry in Tennessee, in West Tennessee, uh, and I worked there, and I did everything there. I literally started out, and I supervised all of our direct care staff. And then I went from doing that to being a, the director of operations in that ministry. And boy, that was fun. Uh, we did a lot of things there. Uh, we would do training. I did training. Um, I, I did human resource. I was a human resource director there. Um, you wore a lot of hats there, as you do every ministry. I supervised our staff of about 50 direct care staff. I did a lot of stuff there. And somewhere along the way, at first I went there for a ministry, but somewhere along the way I figured out that they couldn't do this thing without me. I decided, you know, they need me a lot more than I need them. As a matter of fact, I may, I may go looking for another job because these people, I tell you, they don't, they don't know what they got. It's exactly the way I thought. Boy, I was stupid. And boy, I was an idiot. Because I'll tell you what, when I decided to leave there, they kept going on. As a matter of fact, probably doing a little better than when I was there, to be real with you. They didn't need me. They didn't need me at all. I was very replaceable. We all are very replaceable. It's all about God. You need God a lot more than he needs you. I want to close by asking you this question, and it's real simple. Are you going to live for God in his glory, or are you going to live for your own? It's really easy. 
Are you going to live for God or for yourself? Because Jesus says that if you're not willing to live for God, then you can't be his disciple. Disciple would mean someone who follows him. Someone who follows him would be Christian. That's what Jesus says. It's not me. You know, it's not Pastor Jimmy. It's not some doctor. Listen, it's what Scripture says. The Bible says that we are to follow him. Do you need God? Are you going to live for yourself or for God? I think it's time that you go home and change your status. I told Pastor Jimmy the other day, there's a, there's, a, there's a guy who he and I both laugh at because he's very negative in everything he writes. And I said, yeah, when the guy gets to heaven, he's going to say, God, can you please get out of my seat? That's what he's going to think. Can you please get out of my seat because I know everything. The truth is, is are you going to live for God or are you going to live for yourself? And we don't like that. Do we? We don't. We want to live for ourselves. We want to do what we want to do and act the way we want to act and be who we want to be and think what we want to think because we're independent and we know everything. Right? That's what we want. We want that because we think if we act that way or we do those things, that it'll give us freedom. And that's a lie straight from the devil because freedom is found in knowing and doing the will of Christ. Bottom line. And that's what I think you should choose to do. Let's pray, y'all. Lord, we love you. God, I'm so thankful for tonight, for our church body and for our, our students here. I uh, love them so much. I'm thankful for them. Uh, God, I'm thankful for the willingness of people to come and, um, and, and, and listen. And, and God, I'm thankful that you, you speak. Um, and when I let you, God, you speak through me. And um, sometimes I don't let you. But God, I, I pray that tonight you spoke and i just pray that you would bless our our people here tonight let them uh, choose god to to carry their electric chair to carry their cross and die to themselves god let us not leave here tonight unchanged let us be changed from the inside out it's in jesus name we pray amen